it's always like a tough one because it's the last of us stuff it's like there's like parts of it that are masterful and then there's parts i like gripe about but then after a while i just like concede i'm like yeah it was really good like but my initial right. thoughts are always just like two years to turn on on llu too so yeah Hello, guys, gals, and non-binary pals. Welcome to Couch Co-op Video Game Podcast. It's basically a book club, only for us video game nerds. My name's Matt. I'm joined by Jack and Dave. And today we are discussing The Last of Us television series. Uh, If you've listened to our show before, you know that we're huge fans of the video game series. So this is an opportunity for us to share our thoughts on the show, which aired and to completion on HBO very recently. But before we dive into that, we like to go around the room and share what we've currently been playing. So with that, Jack, why don't you start us off? What have you been playing lately? <laughs> Here, you just opened Pandora's box, Matt. You got tricked, fool. Uh, no, um, I, uh, I I gave another shot at trying to get my wife into video games. This time I, uh, I broke out Power Wash Simulator, uh, thinking that the, uh, you know, <laughs> Might might scratch that might scratch that itch, you know. She she loves those casino games, you know. She she watches p- pimple popping videos. I thought, you know, it might just fall into that sweet spot for her. Um, after thirty minutes of her complaining about how stupid the game was, she got intensely nauseous from the three D movement and went upstairs. To which she had left like this truck that was only like seventy five percent clean. So I started washing it. And then I was like, wow, you can change the nozzles out. And there's all these different mechanics. And then I re- realized that Power Wash Simulator is more of a game than most of my favorite games so far this year. And that is very embarrassing. Uh, but after two hours, uh, a very addicting gameplay, I realized it was it was not fun. And so I stopped playing. Um, all right, we're going to go into speed run mode. This is, this is speed run. Loop Hero. Also addicting, but not fun. Dicey Dungeons. Poor Man Slay the Spire. A lot of really cool mechanics early. None of them good enough to hang around for after like the eight-hour mark. Seven out of ten. I got Paradise Killer. I read some reviews. This was supposed to be a detective game. It was a detective story, but I got bamboozled into playing a walking simulator. Open-world walking simulator. Boo. Pretty cool game, actually. Seven out of ten. Escape Academy. Best gaming of the last couple weeks with my homie Dave, who is sitting right next to me. Couch co-op forever, baby. Dave, Escape Academy, what do you think? Oh, Escape Academy is great. Great fun. Uh, I wasn't sure, like, you know, what it was because Jack's string of games he just listed off kind of concerns me, but, you know. And then (laughs) he he showed, well he, he showed me some videos like of another game he played where it's all like these movie clips that are acted out by real actors. And the very first clip he talks about, they mention satanic ritual sex. So I was like, oh, I don't know, man, Escape Academy. But um, I, think upon- the line, I think the line was, do you want to have a satanic fuck? <laughs> That's what it was. <laughs> which, which raised some eyebrows. 
But um, not to veer off course, uh, Escape Escape Academy is a great game. It, it's what about five to six hours long. Yeah, and it's got a wide range of different difficulties going through it. Which oddly enough, some of the like level three ones we found a little bit more challenging than some of the fours, which you cannot adjust outside of a hint system, which we did not use. But uh, we did fail uh, what three or four of the levels throughout the game. Yeah. So we just, you know, restarted the whole level without admitting that we wanted to continue off of it and take a grade hit and then like sped run up to the point of the puzzle where we got stuck on, which usually gave us like a really good grade at the end because uh, just the way it was. But uh, this was a great experience because this game and I really do want to suggest that people play it, you know, with like a good friend or someone because it gives different minds the opportunity to shine. Like some some puzzles I kind of picked up on quicker and then Jack, you know, vice versa, picked up on stuff a lot quicker. Uh, I would say he was like the hero of the last, you know, puzzle, the very last one. And uh, I got us through some pretty hard moments like last night. So it was just it was just a really fun game and one that I felt like this really kind of gives you that reward sensation, you know, when. The aha moment. Yeah, the sense of accomplishment, you know, where you, like, figured out something that you, you know, we're looking at it, like, a minute ago and being like, what the hell did I do? And then you notice this pattern and apply it, and it actually works. So uh, really good job on the voice acting. The game design itself, all the character, the artwork is amazing. A lot of it's vibrant. You know, even the dark stuff is like, got some really good colors going on in it. So um, definitely probably one of the top, three games I played so far this year. He's only played like four games. So that's not my praise. <laughs> um, I'll just say I, you know, I love that aha feeling for puzzlers. If, you know, outside of the length, which is short and the fact that you need like a good companion to play with. Um, this is the best puzzle game I've played in the last few years. Uh, I, would, I would say it's the best I've played since Sober Dan. Uh, granted, I haven't found very many good puzzle games the last few years. So I'll take that with a grain of salt. Uh, yeah, but um, what else have you been playing, Dave? Um, still grinding through Wasteland 3, which this is probably like the longest time I've spent playing a game. Um, it is a dense game. Uh, the fighting isn't like Skyrim where you can just like smash everything with the mace and keep moving. You know, you have to you have to really like tactically, tactically plan out what your next moves are going to be and, you know, there's been a few times where it's like, I got to restart this fight, you know, because of such and such. So, but the story's really picked up and I'm kind of closing in on the last third act, I believe. So I'm hoping I got maybe another like eight to 10 hours left in it before I can put Wasteland 3 away. Um, Jack found it pretty funny uh, that I spent 45 bucks on Xbox Live and played like two or three games where he's burned through like, 20 or 30 so he's definitely getting more uh pound for his penny on this one but wasteland 3 it's just it's such a fun game i highly suggest it there's just so much wacky stuff going on so many different choices you can make with like the ramifications behind it so it's just been a really good time right on no i i'm definitely uh going to strongly consider picking up that title Uh, i know we've talked back and forth on it numerous times, particularly off air and uh, it's wrapped my alley. So based on your recommendation, I I pretty much have to check that out. 
Um, right after Power Wash Simulator, right, yeah. Matt? And, you know, and, I had heard a lot of good things about Power Wash Simulator online. So. Me too, actually. It's, it was, I mean, I always made fun of it when I did, but, but I, you know, it's a game. What can I say? I, I get it. Like, I, I don't think I could ever play it, but I, I get it. Like, it, it makes sense to me that somebody would find satisfaction of just that type of mechanic. So, uh, kind of speaking of which, honestly, I, I was been playing Control, which is a game that a lot of it hinges on whether or not the gameplay loop works for you or not. Um, it does for me, but the reason it wor- does for me is because I somehow managed to skip almost every title that's kind of done this whole psychic slash, you know, warrior component to it. So for me, it was kind of neat. Like it, it, that game does an excellent job of making you feel like an all powerful, like psychic entity throughout. Uh, so is this, is this Bioshock in a gray box? Is that what's going on here? Um, you could make that comparison in a way. Um, I want to say that I know that this developer did another game. It's called like Quantum Break or something like that. And I'm pretty sure it's just a reskin of that. Um, I never played, uh, what was the other one set in Seattle years ago? Um, were you like Alan Wake or something? Alan. Well, they, they made Alan Wake, but there was another one where you're like a superhero. And I know it was based in Seattle, old game title that they made tons of them. I, I, I infamous did they no 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 i'm just talking oh, making yeah. a comparison to the style of gameplay I mm-hmm. imagine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, so it's got a lot of that going for it like the plot itself it's very atmospheric um if you're into that sort of thing it's wonderful if you're into actually discovering the mysteries of everything it's terrible so <laughs> um it but the atmosphere is top notch in many ways for being a non-horror type or fringe horror title more like lovecraftian horror um it's actually like slightly it keeps you on edge it keeps you very tense despite having no real jump scares no real actually terrifying moments to it uh it's just they've done an amazing job with the sound design they did a great job with the just creepy atmosphere that they created um i would compare it honestly like the voice acting like which is top notch based off of the rendering they did with the actors and everything. And, and they got some decent actors for it. Um, I would compare it to uh, like Buffy, the vampire slayer. It's like kind of that range of like, it's sort of kitschy, sort of campy, but if you dig deep, there's actually a lot of depth to it. Um, So, you know, and, and it's one of those titles too, that kind of has that reputation where, there's some people who will speak about this game as if it's one of the greatest games they ever played and it, it's got endless acclaim and people just don't know about it. And then there's people like me who it's like, it, it was a good game. I, I played through it. I, I didn't feel like it blew my mind or I would you know necessarily recommend it even. I would say it's a solid seven title with an eight if you enjoy the gameplay loop. Um, I, I did enjoy the gameplay loop, but I will say also, once I got to the end of it, I was pretty ready for it to be done because it doesn't add much to it as you progress. Um, something about the game is that the particle effects and how they handled it was something that the whole industry really like locked onto with that game. Um, 
you know, like they they were able to manipulate how like things looked, like the color schemes and all that kind of stuff in a manner that was just super appealing and incredibly different. Um, would you say that was like a big appeal to the game for you? Yeah, definitely. I mean, like I said, the atmosphere is amazing. Like you, you walk through all these empty corridors or, you know, and you're in this possessed, uh, for lack of a better descriptor, like big, like corporate building and like every room you're in because it's possessed, like you see all the workers are like levitating because they're entranced and you can hear like this, like real, like groaning, like droning sound of like people chanting like all these workers just repeating themselves over and over like it's really eerie stuff like which like i said when it comes to the actual dialogue sessions even though it's very well acted like it's not like anything where it like gives you the sense of like fear if anything your character's kind of portrayed as this all-powerful psychic entity that can just go wreck shit if need be and and you do um which is also a cool feeling but um, but it has a, like I say, interesting environment that for some I could find it, imagine it'd be incredibly terrifying. Like you can make a long, strong case that in a lot of ways, this game was a lot scarier than parts of uh, Resident Evil Village, even just based on the the tone they set. But when you actually get through it, like the actual response to it, not not so much. Uh, you know, those particle effects, it's one of the reasons that when I picked up a PS5 uh, a little bit more than a year ago. Control was actually one of the first games I, I threw on there. And like you said, highly regarded, a lot of like best of the year lists. I bounced off really quick. And, and mostly it was because of that atmosphere you're talking about. To me, there was just something really suffocating about being in like this office building that was all gray and dead. It, it like, I don't know. It, it really just took any kind of joy out of, of playing for me. Now, like you said, I, I think, you know, you already covered it. This is on a lot of people's list of best games of all time, but um, I, I bounced off really quick. So I was curious what, what your kind of uh, assessment of it would be, Matt. Yeah. Like I said, it, I think the biggest thing is if you get into the gameplay loop of it. And for me, it worked just because again, I I haven't played quantum break. I haven't played infamous. I haven't played, a lot of the games that kind of toy with this idea of being a psychic where you can throw stuff around and blow shit up. So for me, it was kind of novel uh, in that regard, but I can definitely see what you're talking about there, Jack. Any like really um, boss fights or uh, intense sequences that like stood out in the game or, or to just kind of stay a little bit more like a, a linear uh Pretty linear. A lot of the boss fights you can barely tell are boss fights because they're just kind of like, I mean, honestly, most of them come across like they're just regular enemies. Just they happen to have a boss name and they're a little stronger. Um, there's a few very memorable characters that stand out, but they're memorable partially because they're just weird and obscure and, and nothing gets explained. So that <laughs> that's one of the frustrating things about it. like for a game that so much of it is the eerie atmosphere and so much of it is the constant mystery of like what the hell's going on you kind of get to the end and like basically the explanation is it is what it is like you're a psychic and you can fuck shit up go to it new game plus you know <laughs> like there's no real like big reveal that's what this game needed um now all that being said this game playing through it, especially with the atmosphere, 
does make me really intrigued about the new Alan Wake. Um, I never played the original. Um, I know that one's pretty well regarded, but um, again, for a game that like that, which is more a traditional mystery, a little darker, and you know where probably I'm assuming we'll probably have a better resolution at the end. I could actually see it being pretty cool. Um, and actually, yeah, I- I'd be remiss not to mention the addition I played of Control does have a crossover with Alan Wake. You actually get to encounter. A character, I guess, from the original game. Like I said, doesn't have the same impact to me because I didn't play Alan Wake. But that was kind of cool to see the crossover, particularly because it's both dealing with a weird, you know, kind of eerie environment. Speaking of crossover, uh, you happen to see that uh, Dead Cells uh, released their Castlevania? I did. I still haven't played Dead Cells yet, but... uh... I want to play through that because Castlevania crossover actually is high on my list of games that I wanted to play this year of new new releases, even though it's a DLC, but you know. It's supposed to be really good. I've heard I've heard good things, so I'm kind of intrigued. Yeah, I'll definitely check it out. And then uh after I beat control, I'll real quick, um I hopped onto uh Bastion because it's the only super giant title I haven't played through and um I have to say it holds up really well for being a really old game. Um, obviously it's slower than Hades and it, you know, has moments that could be fine tuned, but I gotta be honest. The reason I fired it up was because Hades two is this title to have such a like contentious view on where it's like a part of me is like overjoyed to get to go back into that environment experience again. Then part of me is like, ah, so ticked that they're doing a sequel rather than doing something original again. But, but some of the cool mechanics in Bastion give me hope to, you know, keep Hades two from getting stale just with like different systems, different weapons. So we'll see what happens. But I, I gotta say the super giant doesn't miss man. Like every title they played, I enjoyed. And that includes even transistor, which isn't that great of a game, but I still have the platinum for it. So. Yeah, I, I enjoyed Bastion when I played it, but that was uh, a couple of years before both Pyre and several years before Haiti. So I've always been kind of wondering like how I would feel if I played it now after. And that's why I've always been hesitant to recommend Bastion um, to anybody, you know, who's into, who's into their games. But I'm glad you, I'm glad you dug it, man. Cause I, I, I liked it quite a bit many years ago. I think I'm one of the few people I know that are excited about Hades 2 because <laughs> I feel like I'm playing this version. I'm, I'm going to be playing. I don't think it's going to be an exact photocopy of Hades. You know, I think some of the mechanics are going to bleed over, but I think it's a new character, you know, in a new world. So, I mean, probably the, the dialogue delivery and all that stuff is going to be very similar, if not the same. But I think movesets are going to be different powers are going to be different so there's going to be just new combinations to try out and explore and that's something that you know for me I'm excited about because I'll be playing this game with you guys as we move along so we'll be able to see how people handle this stuff differently but I would say like I know for Tool Geek is not excited about it and you two are you know got your opinions about it as well but uh I'm definitely like yeah Halo, you know, Hades 2, this is going to be sick, you know, so. Um, As the most, like, uh, of the four of us, I feel like you're definitely the most story-driven in, in gaming, typically. 
And so the fact that you were, you know, the first one was such a great story, I think probably goes a long way towards that. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, honestly, when I was playing Control, Dave, like, that was one of the things that ran through my head was I was like, I can totally see why Jack abandoned this, but this is definitely more in the Dave and me realm of, like, if, you know, you the story is a critical component of encouraging you to progress. And if you're not into that part of it, you really are kind of missing, like, a third of the experience, so... Um, and Supergiant does again a, another company that does an amazing job with atmosphere. And then in Hades, they actually added the extra component of adding really amazing story to boot. Um, Pyre had one too, but a lot of that was just again to me was more atmospheric that set a tone for a pretty straightforward plot line. Hades had just like complexity and quirkiness and fun, and it was like all across the board, just like a very engaging uh, plot. So um curious to see how Hades 2 does. I, I mean, I, I owe them giving it a shot. Um, and I am intrigued because honestly, the reservations I have were kind of the same ones I had going into Elden Ring, where it was like, you're seeing the culmination of the system that's been redone and redone and, and refined to a level of releasing this like magnificent, like piece. So, that could very well be Hades too. Cause the one thing I'll say with all the super giants I've played Mize Pyre is that, you know, for the most part, you can see the, the level of them developing the system that they eventually released when they did Hades, which is, you know, like so much of Bastion is that isometric viewpoint, the different weapons, the different like speed of the runs, then transistor added extra elements of like combo systems, things like that. Then you know you well, have... Pyre kind of added a lot of the storytelling flourishes. Yeah, P- Pyre like took on this new realm of like let's focus more on the plot. You know, they still developed an amazing game to to pair it with, but it definitely was a lot less focused on the action at hand and more focused on like telling a story. And then Hades was kind of the culmination of all of it. So, um, like I said, I, I I should go back and say I don't think Hades two will be. Elden Ring, but I do think it's neat that you've seen every game that Super Giants released has been an improvement upon, you know, um, their previous engine that they used in a game, which to me is really cool to see it with video game developers. All right. Well, speaking of refinement, why don't we hop into it, boys? Last of Us TV series aired. I'm just going to toot my own horn here real quick because... On my brother's podcast about a year ago, I predicted that Brendan Fraser was going to kill it when The Whale came out, and he just won the Academy Award for Best Actor. And with you two gentlemen about a year ago, when we were talking about Last of Us 2, I mentioned this series, and I said I thought it was going to be excellent, and it was going to create a great deal of buzz. And even though my viewpoint is pretty limited to what I hear like amongst coworkers and whatever bullshit's crossing across Reddit... I'd have to say I think I hit the nail on the head with this one. I would agree with you. Um, I felt like they expanded into the universe. Um, They added some backstory without compromising the main story. Um, I felt like that the actors that they cast for this were excellent. Um, I enjoyed the fact that Maureen, Maureen is Maureen in the show and in the game. Before my partner in crime here, Heavy Cream, gets too carried away with his, with his spoilers. 
Uh, full spoilers in this episode, including spoilers for LOU 2, the sequel. So I just want to throw that out there. Um, thank you, Jack. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> this, the series, like the, the fact that they got the director that did, uh, Chernobyl, you know, had just did such a great job on that show. Um, I don't know if Matt's seen it or Jack, but, um, I, I was thoroughly impressed about, a show that could be done about a nuclear reactor. And actually I was like gripped by it. So um, I heard he was doing, you know, he was a big driving force behind this. So I kind of felt like, okay, like I seen one of his projects. So I'm going to, I'm willing to give this a shot, but I think he really captured the magic. I think he understood the material enough to be able to be confident to, to do the job that he did on it. So um, outstanding series. And then, you know, uh, Jack's kids added to it last night, you know, during the guitar playing at the, the beginning of the episode, we heard some strumming from them upstairs that complimented the whole thing pretty nice. You know, it was, it was, amazing. It was amazing. Like, you the, yeah, you hear this like excellent, like Spanish guitar from a master guitarist. And it's like, just kind of help but laugh through the whole thing. But um, yeah. Um, good call on that, Matt. Um, good call on the whale and Brendan Fraser, you know, and how confident you are about that. I think you're right. They hit this on the head, you know. Good deal. What did you think, Jack? Oh, I thought it was excellent. Um, I, I couldn't have really asked for it to be any better. Not like, I, I just, yeah, I think they nailed it out of the park. I think they put the money in. I think they made the right decisions. I think they made like what I thought, at first were kind of some like questionable decisions. The casting of, of Bella Ramsey who had very little like experience in general that I knew of at least um, ended up completely killing it. Um, and it just seemed like every single detail uh, along the way, they just nailed it. Um, I don't think I could ever like consider this one of my favorite shows of all time, just because I did know the story. And for me, that always takes away like a huge part of like what I love about, you know, storytelling and getting, you know, immersed in a world. Um, but as far as something I've already experienced in one medium, I'm just fairly shocked that they managed to just do such a, just a fantastic job, uh, you know, pulling it off somewhere else. Um, yeah. And yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say, I, I think you, you sum it up really well. Like that last part in particular, that's where I'm at where I I watched it and I enjoyed every episode. Um, Do I consider this to be an excellent, excellent show? Of course. Do I necessarily consider it one of my favorite shows? I can't say that because it didn't have the impact that did playing the game. And part of that is because it's all spoiled for me. And part of it, it is that, there are certain elements that can only be experienced playing the game. Like there, there's certain like that connection with Joel and Ellie to condense it into like the hour long runtime of an episode while they did an amazing job of packing in all these heavy scenes into it to convey that. And a lot of the lesser known ones too, it just doesn't give you that full length that a video game does of all those quiet moments where it's just the two of them bouncing off dialogue off of one another. So to me, if there's one area of complaint that that bring up is that like at times it felt like there were a lot of like Easter eggs for those who played the game, but 
it's not going to convey the same message to somebody who hasn't experienced the game that the game the actual plot is like it, it won't have that impact that like moves you to your core uh like i experienced with the first game well you know i would like to say that the bill episode you know was something of a it's a wild offshoot from the game you know a complete offshoot here's this like um complete episode basically devoted to one human being and, and his experience and like the hardships and the hurdles and the mental like landscape that you had to live in, in this world and finding a partner and someone you love and what it means, you know, and that's what this whole series is about. Uh, I, I felt like the intros for the first two episodes with the introduction of the scientists kind of raising the question of like, you know, how dangerous is this or is the possibility real? And then the second episode starting with, how it started, where it started, and why it started was huge. So, like, the beginning of it kind of got me more excited because I was like, wow, here's all this stuff um, that they're introducing and throwing at me that, you know, puts a different spin on this. And I think as it got past, like, episode four and into the rest of the series, I was like, okay, I've seen all this. I played it. That's where it kind of settled down, despite the quality of it being really good. That's when I kind of felt... Like, you two similarly were like, okay, I played this. I know what's happening. But another perspective, and this is something Jack and I were talking about, and I'm not necessarily talking about the last episode, is that you you play this game mostly as Joel. You're playing from his point of view. The only time you see his facial expressions are in cutscenes and that kind of stuff. And here, they've got him in different angles. You're always seeing his facial expressions. You know, so it it definitely shines a different light on the story and like the characterization of it. So um, that was something that ended up being really strong. And I think that was really the linchpin of the last episode. You know, that that infamous, you know, we all know it. it's the infamous scene, you know, the last you know quarter of that game. And you're just like, I, I was just kind of like watching it being like, wow, this is way more devastating to watch than to play through it, you know, like it was hardcore playing through it in the game. You're like, wow, this is like brutal, but watching him go through that was much different. And that's because you're seeing his facial expression. And and to be honest, you look pretty psychotic. (laughs) (laughs) You definitely look like a man on a mission and not a very good mission. So um, like I said, I think that just kind of boils back down to like how good they did at portraying these characters allow him a breathing room and my favorite Easter egg. And this is in the last episode was with the ladder. You know, <laughs> like one thing that you mentioned was like these, some people aren't going to appreciate that, but that was something when it happened, I, I had a, a smile and a giggle in me, you know, where I was like, hey, that's awesome. It's like, Hey, there's a ladder up there. How about I boost you up? <laughs> and you know, throw a ladder down. So um, great moment for that episode. I was, I'm with you, Matt. I was, way more impacted by the game because it felt like, I mean, well, look, we hadn't experienced it, but I, I just felt like I was almost like betrayed by myself. You know, I was like, no, no, I, I don't want to do this. And then, you know, um, but, but Dave brings up a point, like the facial expressions, like he definitely just looks like a zombie in that last scene, as opposed to how I always envisioned it, like him, like kind of, desperately angrily just you know crushing his way through this 
to this hospital, you know, out of out of fear, you know, that he's going to be too late to save her. And this, it, it it almost like portrayed him as just like like Dave said, like a psycho. Like this ain't gonna happen. Like so, uh, I thought that was pretty interesting. Well, you know, that's true. He does look like a psycho, but it it also adds on to the fact that um, you know, Ellie is a character, is a human being, has bonded with him and has showed him that there's more to life than just you know living each day to day. And is what is at stake for Joel is that emotion, that ability to be a human again, you know, and that's something that Ellie brought out in him. So, you know, that in high, you know, like at that, I give him a fair shake at him being like that because that's him reverting back to that person he needs to be to survive. And I felt like he was using that to try to make sure he get to her to find out, you know, just to make sure, that, you know, hey, is she still alive and I can pull her out of this because he finds out the horrible truth, you know, what's going to happen to her. You know, it's like his life is on the line, like in that moment for Joel, you know, not for us, you know, but for Joel, the character. And and the thing is, like for me in the video game that I got caught up in all the action, you know, I was like, oh, yeah, no, I got a machine gun and I got guys with SWAT gear and I've killed like 30 of them already. And, you know, it was like it turned into an action game. Well, to be fair, you also play it on easy with unlimited ammo, Dave. So <laughs> you didn't quite have the Last of Us experience. So let's... Andy already knew the story. <laughs> yeah, and I knew the story. No, yeah. but but you're kind of on to something there, Dave. And, and in a way, like I, it's funny because... Going into this, I, I, my biggest reservation was like, I really don't want this to turn into another Walking Dead, which was like set a really great tone for a zombie TV series and just became the stupidest, most over the top action thing around. And they almost did the complete opposite. They like almost removed all of the action to a degree almost where I, I almost thought it was a little detrimental at times because there were parts like to me, like some of the big bonding moments for Joel and Ellie were like the episode prior in winter with date when he's chasing after David's crew and just seeing all these guys fleeing as he's like in the entranced of this, like his only target is rescuing Ellie in that moment. And just like chasing all these guys down and, and murdering them in cold blood was just such a cool experience to me. But I think it makes sense that they couldn't do that. In the game, there's like a few hours removed from that and the final scene. But in the show, it's the penultimate episode. They they can't have him do it two episodes in a row. So I get why with the way the pacing worked for the show that they had to just tone back his role in that whole scene. Well, it, it, no, I I totally understand it. But I'm saying that like they sacrifice things so they could add other aspects throughout this series. And one of those things that always bothered me when we were getting to the final countdown was that realization. Cause I remember when we did our episode around the first episode where it was, we were all trying to guess like kind of the pacing and when these th- events were going to happen. And quite honestly, Bummer thought it was going to be two seasons worth because there's so much material there. I mean, it honestly wasn't a bad assessment early on, but. It, the reality of it is we were getting closer and closer. It's like, how can you have all these big, big pieces that haven't even taken place? And now they're just kind of shoehorned in the end. And you're right, Jack. It, it's because they wanted to, to not have it be back to back. But 
again, to me, like that was a huge bonding moment for the character because it makes what Ellie endures so much at the end of that, all that much more heart wrenching where even though he goes through on this murderous rampage to rescue her, he can't like, you know, he arrives too late. She did it on her own and, and she's like traumatized as a result. And then the next episode, even though they touch on it, you know, you have the, the great giraffe sequence and everything, but part of what was so moving was going directly from that winter sequence where you just feel like you let her down so much to all the walking similar portion where he's trying to cheer her up. And, and you're for the first time, Joel, even though you're playing as him is trying to be the one who's like upbeat and cheery and asking her to tell jokes and stuff. And she's just so disengaged. And it's just like, that's when you see it like really click like that bond and for this, like, it was tough because it really only felt like they had that bond for maybe five minutes on screen before he's going into a murderous zombie rampage to to avenge her or, or rescue her slash rescue her. So different impact to me. That, that's funny because for me, I, I thought they did have the bond pretty much. I don't know, maybe it was episode um, six, I think, uh, you know, when they when they skip ahead in time. And it just seems like they have a rapport. And I think a big reason for that is I thought the the, the chemistry between the two is, is outstanding for what they were, you know, what they were trying to pull off. Um, but for, for me, it worked. Um, I kind of, you know, I had to recognize that there was months in this show that were off screen. And you kind of have to take that into account. And I also think you have to take into account that Ellie is desperate for somebody to latch onto and Joel is desperate for somebody to love. And therefore, yeah, maybe they are rushing this a little bit. Maybe they aren't like the most, you know, you know, realistic, but in considering the circumstances of where they're both coming from, it makes sense that they both would have this intense bond, even if it's not completely natural. Um, I, sorry, I don't know if this is devi- deviating off of what Jack just said, but um, I think the first, like, the opening sequence for the episode, I thought really kind of tied in a lot of stuff. And um, I thought it was huge to show why she is the way she is and to expose that. That wasn't in the game, from what I understand, right? It, not even in the second one. There's There's really not much at all. Yeah, and that was something you talked about where you're like, you know, are they going to expose why she is, you know, immune to this? And, you know, back to Easter eggs, you know, they had the actress that portrayed Ellie in the, the game be the mom. And then she actually looks like she could be like Bella Ramsey's mom. <laughs> I was like, I sat there, but um, I think it definitely like added to that connection where this human being is pretty much, you know, got to what hang out with their mom for like maybe two to three hours as a baby, a newborn baby before she's just been kind of, you know, passed along and stuff. And I feel like they did a really good job on not having to use so much time to create that bond that she ends up forming with Joel, you know, like, and, you know, even if it was like the, you know, like they were cheering each other up and then they get flashbang what what that's like maybe 15 minutes into the episode like i felt like by that point they kind of had established that you know they both care for each other 
the way uh, Ellie took care of Joel at the beginning of the whole, you know, cannibal episode to show how desperate she was to like keep him alive because, you know, she cares for him. And, you know, the reaction that Joel had when he realized that she had to like butcher her way out of that situation, you know, really kind of showed, you know, like where he is at on an emotional level with her and how fast that can flip. You raise great points, but then I have to ask, like, kind of based on what you were saying there, Jack, earlier of her, you know, it basically being so desperate for affection. Like, don't you think that now then the series almost portrays it as this like really kind of like terrifying relationship she has with Joel where she's bonded now to the psychopath who is. I, disp- think I think that's actually part of it. I do. I think Joel comes off as like kind of a weird dude in that final episode. Like he, he does one thing that he never, at least I don't remember anything about this in the video game. He admits that he tried to commit suicide after his daughter was. And in the end, they really poured on how he's like comparing. They're like, Oh, I think you'd be friends. You know, like they definitely have a little bit more psycho going on with Joel in this than they did in the game. Uh, At at least that's how I read it. And I think that's part of the, I think that's going to be part of the drama. But don't you think that, see, I think that that's fascinating because like so much of what makes the second game so compelling is the loss of Joel and and thrusting, you know, Ellie into like all of a sudden being the spotlight main character. And I don't know if you portray him as a psychopath, if it's going to be received as much like the magnitude of this beloved character. I think you... Hold on, though. You underestimate how much the American public loves a good psychopath. Dexter, the show you, I haven't seen it yet, but the show you is on like its fourth season. It's all about some psychopath, like, right? Yeah. Trump. Sure. Trump. <laughs> America loves a psychopath, okay? And I, I don't think most audience is going to have any problem rooting for this guy. And it also gives you the added benefit that it makes Abby more sympathetic when she does what she does. You know, I I think you're on to something with that. Like, I think that that's a huge factor that they're considering is that I think also, though, you're also right about that's the intention of it, because I think that our impression of the game is maybe not received the way it was supposed to be, because, you know, a big thing about the Druckmann's world that he's created is everything is this kind of gray i mean i was very vocal with you guys about how the second one didn't grip me the first time through largely because of that because i ain't agree with the protagonist's perspective right out of the gate so it was very difficult for me to progress through a game where it's like every time i'm brutally shanking somebody in the woods i'm like i think this is kind of fucked (laughs) but but you know, it, I think you're right. If you are building up an audience, like particularly people who maybe not aren't as versed with the world, you do have to kind of make it clear that it's this, you know, moral gray that you have to kind of decide on. You know, uh, I'll say that after the big sequence, uh, my wife asked me, you know, what decision would I have made in that situation? And that is the point of that episode is kind of to force yourself to be like, what would I do if put thrust in there? I couldn't tell you. I mean, it's a terrifying prospect to be faced with that. Save the world, protect, you know, essentially your kid. Like, who can make that decision? But, you know, it, it was pretty effective in that regard. I'll give him that. 
uh, I think the the actors really pulled out the stops for the last like 20 minutes. Um, for me, Bella Ramsey just slayed it in the last like 15 minutes. Um, her asking Joel, you know, what happened, Joel like lying and how he looked while he was lying, you know, making it up as he goes along, or at least, you know, saying what he had been thinking about while she was out. And then find the final walk up to, you know, the the hill overlooking, you know, the site that Tommy's place that they're going to. And Bella, you know, or Ellie, but Bella Ramsey, like asking him like what really happened. Like I was moved by it. I was like, holy shit, like she she like really nailed it, you know. I think even better than the game could have, you know, and that was something because, you know, you know, there's something good the mocap, you know, they're getting better at it, but being able to like really inflect on like the very small nuances of it was pretty nuts. Her eyes in that sequence where you can see her scanning like every aspect of his character to to see because she she can tell he's lying, but she's just trying to like gate you put it all together like the totality of the joel she knows and which direction is she gonna go like and then that's accepting it, you know yeah and basically like you can see where she's going from like the the danger of like the fear to like just like okay we'll just we're just gonna move on and and that's it well i gotta say uh I thought she was fantastic throughout the whole season, but where she really won me over was when they finally pulled back Joel and, and had that episode, the left behind DLC where it's just her and Riley uh, going through them all together. And um, that, I mean, that show, that whole episode was like, she was the focus and had to pull off a bunch of different ranges many of which she hadn't done yet in the show, you know, because they, they tackled some different stuff, you know, they tackled romance, they tackled uh, more of like growing up innocent uh, and, and, you know, that loss of said innocence. Um, And so, man, I don't know that, that was one of my favorite episodes of the, of the, of the season. And it also gave me the confidence that they can have this show without Pedro Pascal, you know, kind of anchoring it. Um, I, I feel like she could be that anchor at this point now. Yeah, I, I think that they cast her knowing full well, like long term, that this has to be an actress who can cover all the ranges that Ellie offers throughout the, the series. And, and she more than proved that she's capable of carrying it. I mean... She she was amazing. Um, definitely, like for me, it was a little rough early on. I'm sure some of that is my own personal reservations. Be like, you're not Ellie. But, yeah, and also Ooh. because it's characters supposed to be written for like a 12 year old kid, or like so now it's like she's a little older in the series. So some of that just comes across as annoying, as opposed to like being just a 12 year old kid, like as heels, like trying desperately to get his attention. Now it's more like you're a teenager act. He'd act more in a survival mode here. (laughs) Shut the fuck up. But, but, but um, I have to say like what was fascinating to me and this will be like in that realm where I'm curious to get both of your opinion, but it's like, even though, uh, the episode with Bill, like critically acclaimed, very highly likely that there's be some awards doled out for that. But I have to ask, do you feel like a dedicating a whole episode to a character that basically moves the plot, nothing in the game 
how much does that take away from the relationship with Joel and Ellie? And secondary, did that take away anything from that other episode, the left behind one in just dealing with the fact that it's, it's a story about like an actual love story immersed in this horrible, toxic world that nothing good seems to exist. Like, do you feel like it took anything away from your experience or do you feel like they were both just wonderful in, in their own independently and serve their purposes in that regard? Um, I, if you don't mind, I'd like to go first on that. I felt like it added a lot to it. I think um, is what it did is summed up uh, Joel and Ellie's relationship in some big ways. On um, you know, you get introduced to two. Think about it running parallel. You get introduced to Joel first, right? Hard ass dude, and then you get introduced to Bill, a hard ass dude, and then is what happens though is that Bill's timeline like goes hyper fast it's one episode whereas with joel and ellie it takes out way more it takes nine episodes for you know people to realize like what their relationship is and one of the main reasons why i feel that way is at the end of episode three right that's three yeah um he he tells them like the only reason i'm alive is because of you because you add like you added something back into my life and I'm here to protect you. And that's pretty much the whole principle of Joel and Ellie's relationship, you know, and the other guys like, you know, I fell in love with you, you know, you know, so you got two characters that love each other. And one of them feels like the only reason why he does all this, it ended up becoming all about the other person, the person he loved. So in this like really loveless, cruel, very hard world, you know, where you can't trust anyone and there's something out there that, that's willing to kill you, like, as soon as it hears you, you know, you, you got something to latch on to, you got something to live for. And I think that's what ends up, like, playing out in the long run between Joel and Ellie. So I felt like that episode added a lot. You know, it's difference between drinking a gallon of milk and then drinking a can of condensed milk. You know, they're both milk, but, you know. Heavy cream noses milk. <laughs> so... <laughs> so I, I felt like it added a lot because I think it kind of set up a lot of the people who, you know, may have been like, this is a video game. Where's it going? I don't know how interested in it I am because, you know, that time between four and seven is mostly all video game stuff. They stopped introducing like these little extra flares that one through three had, you know, where it built upon the world and built upon these like characters and it kind of focused more on like the events that happen in the game and how the characters within the game handle it. Like episode three was like an outlier. And so I felt like it was great, you know, and it really kind of like struck me on a lot of levels. And I think because it was so condensed, it kind of hit me a lot harder than like the whole series would have if that episode wasn't in there. So um, I felt like it added a lot to it. And I felt like it really kind of summed up and paved the path for the, you know, relationship. It's not exact, right? You know, Joel and Ellie aren't lovers, but, you know, he loves her like a daughter and she sees him as a father figure, you know? So, and it ends up becoming very much that Joel is willing to sacrifice himself and like 20 other people in the hospital to try and get to her, to save her, you know? Like, so... I don't know. I, I felt like that was a really good, really good introduction into the the series 
introducing a character that's in the game too. You know, they didn't make anyone up. They changed up a lot of stuff about the two characters, but you know, I think it did a really good job. I think it was really important for them to have that episode because it, it really builds the world. Uh, it's something that you don't really have to do so much in the video game because you're living with, you know, you're living it within the characters, but in this, um, I, I just think it, it provides a lot of clarity for like how the world works, how systems work and more on a personal level to have these quiet moments, to have these episodes that are more about emotion and, and the bright, spots in what is such an ugly world really kind of establishes that it's not the next walking dead. It's not a zombie horror show at its core. Yes. They have those elements, but they're, they're, they're trying to shoot for an evolution of that. They're trying to, you know, go for something that, that is more of a a story about people. Um, And in in that rank, I I think it was a, a huge success. And, I think it was just so damn good of an episode that it really kind of solidified it for the people who aren't into the show that, Oh wow, this is something I want to watch. Yeah, I, I definitely have to agree with that. Like it, it's not so much a would make an argument that the episode shouldn't exist just more. So it definitely felt like the last couple of episodes got rushed as a result of taking a lot of attention towards this. Um, you know, I can see, your perspective on it, Plumber, that makes a lot of sense that, you know, it does illustrate a lot of com- comparable th- moments throughout the series that, you know, um, maybe aren't conveyed be- in a more traditional manner because you're dealing with essentially two strangers who form this bond of, you know, father and daughter over the course of their journey. Um, there's definitely some areas where I wish that they had given it more length. And so that's my first thought is the inclusion of an episode dealing with characters that are completely removed from everything is, you know, at the sacrifice of some of those other elements. Because one of the things you mentioned earlier that stood out to me, Jack, is that in the game, it's very well clear that this is a journey over the course of a year, which explains why they form kind of this strong connection. In the show, it very much feels like they cross the country in a week's time. And uh, they make specific comments in the show, though, regarding months have passed. I, you know, that maybe they did. It doesn't, didn't, I didn't catch them. And my wife, who knows nothing about the series, thought it was over the course of two weeks. So huh. you know. interesting. I, I thought, like, particularly. The episode where they reach Tommy's place, they really talk about how they've been on the road for several weeks. Um, but anyway, it's a minor again, thing. If, if you guys both didn't catch it, then obviously it was not well established that that was the case. It's a minor thing. And, and like I say, it's a minor thing that a lot of people would probably, you know, would be happy of, at the reason they edited it out because a lot of the reason that they made it really concise was because so much of the game is just kind of wandering through and, you know, having long stretches of time where you're just kind of like going from point A to point B to convey kind of the length of time that they've been at, at, you know, on their track. So, um, you know, it doesn't necessarily need it. It was just something that stood out to me that the experience of playing through the game was drastically different from watching it on the series. 
Well, there is a line in the game that I don't think they brought over, and that's um, one of the things Marlene says to Joel in the hospital is, well, I don't think she says it to Joel. I think she says it to one of her, um, to one of her um, men is that, is that, hey, give him a break. He just spent almost a year crossing the country with this person. And I don't think they had that line in this. Um, so, yeah. Also, another interesting thing about Maureen that <clears throat> Jack mentioned to me was, like, in the game, if you're picking up all the stuff, you get Maureen's perspective of what she's going to do. Her inner dialogue. Yeah. And how tortured she is by the whole you know, and turn that, of events. Now, I think that beginning part of it is there to kind of touch base on that, like how and what Ellie means to Maureen, it, her best friend get died giving birth to her. She had to kill her, you know, and pretty much like try to raise her on the side as well as like keeping this rebellion going. And <clears throat> so, yeah, I thought, I thought um, that, she did a good job, you know, and she didn't have that much screen time, but yet I think she was able to convey, like they did a good job of conveying like Maureen's relationship and then versus coming up against someone like Joel who, you know, straight up sees her like a daughter, even though Maureen is kind of more of her mom than Joel is her dad, you know? So, um, and inevitably Maureen's decision is the one that, you know, Joel had to wrestle with. You know, she had to be like, do I keep this person who is like basically, you know, like my best friend's daughter? You know, I was there for a birth or do I sacrifice her in order to give humanity a chance in the long run? And that's something that Joel was like not willing to accept, you know, like and here's the thing for Joel, you know, whatever Maureen's Maureen's idea about her humanity and where she fit in the world was significantly different than Joel's because everyone's so scared of Joel and then you finally get to see why like when he snaps you know and that's the thing like people in Boston have heard stories about this guy they may have seen it you know but yet you're watching it you know as an audience member but you know like I feel and I stated earlier in this episode I feel like Joel's at that precipice of if I don't get her back I'm probably gonna die you know like you know that's how much she means to him. It's not only um, this daughter-father relationship, but it may be the last spark of love that he's ever going to get a chance to feel in this world, and he's willing to sacrifice for it. So, Yeah, and then also uh, the inclusion. I, I always forget her name, but the beginning, they put a big emphasis on the uh, show of it being the dying wish of his uh, former, I mean, I guess you can't really call her a lover, but partner, that you know that he followed through with the track to get Ellie to uh to the hospital so um you know that was an extra element I know that like they mentioned the there's a very very brief uh dialogue sequence you can trigger with the um where Joel mentions the suicide um attempt in very much in passing where it's like I believe you find like a couple um, they're deceased and Ellie makes some comment about it, like, Oh, it looks like they took the easy way out. And then he made some, com he makes some comment like, no, nah, that's a lot harder than it looks or something along those lines. So, uh, I'm botching that delivery, but, but I, that's funny. I don't remember that. So that's cool that you, you caught that. Yeah. It's, it's a, 
I mean, I feel like there were so many moments throughout the whole series that are there that, you know, different people who played the game or found certain trinkets will will get the Easter egg and, and those who didn't, maybe it doesn't, but they'll pick up on something else. So, um, which to me is a beautiful thing. And I think a lot of that goes back to what you had said, Dave, of the, hiring the guy from Chernobyl to to do this was a brilliant call. Because I think he reeled in a lot of the components and really focused on the heart of the story and added cool elements to it, too. Like they expanded on a lot of the realm and the lore of er- certain areas. Um, some I liked better than others. Like and, you know, uh, I wasn't the biggest fan of that one town where they had overthrown Fedra and they were all psychotic to go off and kill uh, Sam and it, the, the kid or whatever. Henry and Sam, I think, um, just because even though, like, I guess it mirrors a lot of what we'll be seeing in the second one, uh, it just, uh, it didn't do it for me, but you know, I'm with you. I, I thought that was the low point of the show, but what's funny is a couple people I've talked to who don't come from the game have said that that's like some of their favorite stuff, you know, like when all the zombies came out of the hole, I think that was my least favorite scene in the entire season because it just felt so like stupid that all these guys would just roll up on a silver platter for these zombies, you know, like you've been living in this world for 20 years. You're supposedly like trained and, and they're just like, Oh yeah, shitload of zombies. Let's try and fight them. Um, but, but I talked to somebody at work and they're like, that was the best scene. It's like, what? <laughs> so it's kind of interesting, you know, how opinions differ. I don't know. I just thought it was so silly that they would ignore this fucking concrete floor that looks like it's breathing. <laughs> like, <laughs> Oh no! I would have said Sam can go to hell. Like we need to fucking figure out a way it's to time get the, to move. Yeah, like we we need to organize everyone and get the fuck away from this shit because things are about to go down. Like now, every time you see a ground just start swelling from the amount of like whatever is in there, it can't be good. Well, were there any other like things that you did not like about the adaption? Um, you know, there was. To me, like the biggest difficulties were really just like it doesn't mirror the experience because some of it is just the amount of time from when this game came out. Because I especially in that episode you were talking about the left behind one, Jack, like it really took me that like when we played that game, that was so many years ago and it was so ahead of its time. And now seeing it, even though I enjoyed the episode, there were so many tropes that have been ripped off with so many other series now that it didn't wasn't as memorable as as it was when I experienced it in the game. And the, again, I take that as a compliment to the totality of the show and the game in that it was inspirational. Because again, this is something that came out, what, 12 years ago or something like that? So so ahead of its time but when you see it now because so many things are trying to like rob that kind of like aesthetic and create these different kind of rapports and whatnot it didn't engage me as much as it could have and and a large part of it was because you know it's been done to death now with so many other series i give the show credit because it has to stay true to the source material which is an older thing but there were a lot of elements i felt like that when i was watching it where i was like you know, damn, this this was so cool playing the game, but it's been so many years now. It's like 15 years, I think, since the original game came out. 
And, you know, if you've seen any stupid zombie crap out there, they've obviously raided the pantry of certain parts of it. So um, I, I'm just impressed that they made it compelling, like, despite all of that, because we have eight different editions of The Walking Dead out there or whatever. So, you know, the fact that you can even sit through one of these at this point is impressive to me. Well, for me, that whole episode was brand new content. You know, like, I, I know who Ellie is, but getting to watch all that was really cool because, you know, when I first was watching it within the first 10 minutes, well, the first, like, five minutes, I was like, like, eh, this ain't ringing many bells, you know, and I go, oh, wait, this must be the DLC. And within 20 minutes, I was pretty secure that this was the DLC that Jack had mentioned that I should play quite a bit. It's really good. I should have played it, you know, but um, I chose not to. And now I got to watch it. So, um, and it was cool being able to tell you guys about that. You know, it's like, wow, for me, this is like pretty refreshing. You know, like here's some new content. It's a whole new episode where I don't know what's exactly going to happen or how it's going to play out. You know, so I, I just thought it was really good acting, a pretty cool story, especially when she got sat down and was like, you could be a leader, you know, like, almost convincing her that Fedra was her future, you know, and that she could have a much better life being in that position, telling peons to go do stuff while she drinks coffee at a desk, you know, and it's so much what not Ellie isn't, you know, like she's not that person. She's smart, you know, but um, yeah, her life goes in a different direction after that. So the, um, Whenever, you know, and, and to be honest, I felt this way about the second game a lot is is the quieter moments were always kind of my favorite, you know, like I said earlier, you know, the glimmers in the dark. But a couple things that I could kind of forgive in a video game really stood out like sore thumbs to me um, in that episode where Ellie goes out on her own that she was able, or I'm sorry, that, that Joel just pulls like this miraculous comeback. Like in one scene, he can't even like lift his hand up or blink his eyes to like convey a message. And then the next he's fighting off three armed men bare hand, like with like a knife. And like, I just, that really, that kind of stuff always really takes me out of it. And for as many good things as they, as they managed to kind of, massage in the show to make it feel a little bit more realistic and less gamey. I was really disappointed by the fact that they, the, a couple of those moments that were like that, the zombies popping out of the hole, like Joel miraculously turning into, you know, predator uh, after his deathbed. Um, those just stood out a lot more because it was a television show. And, and so those I, I did struggle with. I have to say to the narrative, like to me, um, I appreciate the way that they did explain things um, that weren't explained in the game um, just because it, it offered something new. But I honestly kind of preferred the world where certain things are just not explained. And that's kind of just how the way things go. Like, you know, yeah, there, there's shit buckets out there that I'm sure have found every collectible and there's, Certain, certain things that can be expanded upon much more than my knowledge of it, but I've played through both games both times and there's a lot of parts of it that just don't really need more explanation than like these people are raiders or 
these, you know, this guy's bad. This guy's like, you know, there's just certain parts that like, I think it almost adds to that level of like, this is a fucked up world and you don't get explanations of the logic of every step. Like I actually kind of preferred not knowing anything about the zombies or cordyceps or whatever you want to call them of they're just there and you have to exist around them. And, you know, society's trying their best, but there's no like hive mind thing or there's no like thing where it's, you know, they had to like really go in depth into like a reason for why they're trying to eat people. And it's like, no, they're just bad guys. Like that's, it's a video (laughs) game. Like it doesn't need more than that. And sometimes again, it's almost more distracting to dedicate so much time to explaining something. Uh, Similarly, I mean, I, I'm still on the fence. I'm still digesting, but like even like explaining like why Ellie's immune. Like I get that like you convey it in a way like it was a cool explanation and that this is a situation that almost never can be replicated, which explains why she's the only fucking person who doesn't, you know, turn as a result of a bite. But it also is kind of this other layer of just like, something's kind of neat about just this pure mystery of just like she's immune. And so, you know, it makes her very important to some people and it makes her also very dangerous in some regards and also, you know, adds all these other things, but it, I think it's kind of neat just this idea of like, they can't figure it out. There's no scientists left. Joel killed all the doctors that know about this and (laughs) studied it. So, um, so it's just kind of a matter of just, you have to exist and endure and move on. So to me, I I guess that's, again, maybe my experience with the game more so than like the world. And so it's a minor gripe and I might come around to it. Like I do with a lot of last of us stuff, but my initial thought was just kind of like, eh, that was interesting, but didn't add much for me. Um, I I got a question for both you guys. What do you think about Troy Baker's performance? I mean, it's not a lot, but he is a very big linchpin within the game. (laughs) I mean, he portrays Joel, and he's a big reason why Joel is the way he is. Um, I thought it was cool seeing him in in the show, personally, and, you know, getting to see him act outside of Joel, you know. So do you guys have an opinion on it, or...? I thought all the characters they brought for the show were actually really good. And like, I think it speaks a lot to um, all the people they have working on the show that, you know, I mean, one, they have, I think there was four actors that there was, you know, um, the leader of that uh, Cincinnati, um, her sidekick was, uh, shoot, I can't remember who he was from the show, but he was somebody. Tom. And they have, yeah, Tommy, they have Ellie. They have Marlene and the fact that they have all these people who aren't used to being on a a screen on top of all the, all the young actors that just crushed it throughout the show. um, I think it speaks a lot to the whole production crew and how they're just able to just take all these different, you know, people that normally wouldn't work. And I don't know if it's just that these people all are, crazy good and just it's just bizarre they've never been cast or if if the whole production crew is just that good i i mean they also had like i mean they even went so far one of the nurses is actually the the woman who did uh abby in last of us too so um so they yeah they they covered all their bases with paying tribute to the original cast i mean the other thing to remember is like a lot these are like more 
traditional voice actors like we're we're in an era now like i know we talked about the god of war uh podcast for like pro zd who's a youtuber who is now ascended to the level of being cast in a voice acting role like you're seeing more folks like that getting these roles but these are all folks that probably start out trying to get traditional acting roles and then when they couldn't do much there they ended up doing uh you know voice acting like i I know ellie's actress um the actual video game ellie uh when she was on screen my wife mentioned that oh yeah she was on growing pains or something like that i guess uh, like she you know she (laughs) had a role and then like didn't really find much work and then continued to work in voice acting and ended up as ellie so you know things like that happen too um I thought it was cool that they all ended up having moments where you distinctively you could tell they were using the voice of the characters in the game. And that stands out where it's like, like particularly like the first time you hear like Ellie, the mom, like struggling or whatever, and you hear her like groaning or whatever yeah. in pain. It's like, oh yeah. I know those groans. <laughs> yeah. Or was, like the. Uh, Dave called that out like right away. She's, he's like, oh, I think that's Ellie. Uh, is it? And I'm like, oh, yeah, that voice. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that to me was super cool. And like Troy Baker, I remember they made a comment like in the behind the scenes about how like, yeah, we would love to cast this Joel, but he's like this six foot surfer dude who's like super chill. It doesn't really fit the mold of this gruff like super ptsd out character that we created for you know so yeah that part was really neat and and frankly they they all did excellent work to the point where had you not researched it or seen an article or, or known they would just seem like background actors in secondary roles so um you know which is always refreshing that it doesn't grind to a halt and be like this is a cameo of somebody who's not an actor but you need to pay attention right now uh, I thought Troy's like big flex was when uh, he's back at the cannibal camp and they they don't know what's going on. Like, uh, you know, at least some of them don't. And they're sitting down for the stew and he like sits around just like looking at the entire room. <laughs> just like knowing what they're eating and the girls eating are dead. You know, <laughs> like that was the worst part. And he's just like, I don't know. I, I just was like, okay, cool. I, he can act in mocap. He's great with his voice, but I was like, hey, this is a guy who can actually be on a camera too and still convey a lot of emotion just through his eyes and facial expressions. So I, I thought that was cool that he got his moment to shine in that matter. And that's why I wanted to ask you guys, you know, what your opinion was on that. So I have to ask you guys, uh, first season wrapped, obviously very well heralded and, you know, they've already greenlit the next season. Uh, season two, uh, the rumor is that it'll be split into two seasons, which makes total sense to play along with the narrative of the game with two, two protagonists. Um, that would also fall in line with my other big prediction I made, which is that by the time the TV series catches up to the video game, they'll have Last of Us 3 available, uh, which seems like a no-brainer if you're going to do two more seasons of a show ahead and all the production time that goes into it. But uh, no, don't pat yourself on the back for that one yet. Come on. No, no, no. Th- this is the key to my success, Jack, is I make these grand predictions. They're so far off in the future that you're either going to forget and then <laughs> and then I will just move on as if like nothing would happen or I'll look like a total genius five years down the road. 
the aggregator forgets nothing. <laughs> um, yeah. He's got your quote down on his piece of paper right here. <laughs> I've been taking notes on this whole uh, five. Yeah. <laughs> it's all typed up. Uh, no, they're, they're talking two plus seasons. And, um, you know, that, that might be another reason that they're establishing more of a scientific approach as opposed to like the mystery, you know, because if they don't have that content, they have somewhere to go, I think. Um, but I mean, it's all speculation, obviously. I have no idea. Um, Naughty Dog has, has officially stated that they're not even sure they're going to work on a last of us three. That could be complete bullshit. They could be two thirds of the way done with the game for all I know, but their official stance right now is that there is no last of last of us three coming. I I've heard that too. Um, my personal, and this is again, rumor mongering and, and me making bullshit predictions, but I like to put my tinfoil hat on from time to time. And, um, and this one is, I think what's going on is that they are probably having negotiations over the direction of game development. Cause obviously, as we saw with like Uncharted, they walked away from a cash cow and, you know, a lot of people would frown upon that, but to them, they're, they're focused on creating the next big thing. I could see a situation where they work out a deal with Sony where it's like, Hey, you have the rights now to Uncharted. You can pump out as many bullshit sequels as you want and throw Nathan Drake into any sort of bullshit fighting game or anything, you know, make as many of those terrible direct to Netflix movies as you want and let us have our budget to do one more Last of Us and then focus on our next original IP. And, you know, it, it seems like one of those things where... Obviously, the producers and the money folks have their responsibility, which is to make as much money as possible. But then you have company like Naughty Dog, where it, there's the integrity of the artists at play. And I do get the sense that they've reached kind of the area where it's like, we can only do so much with this world without it becoming Walking Dead. So we're about ready to walk away. But they, there's no way that there's not a Last of Us 3, especially given how successful this show is. There's absolutely no way. I mean, Druckmann in an interview said like he had no story. And he said like, if, if I can come up with the story that's gonna, that adds on to it, that actually like feels natural and stuff like that, he'd be happy to do it. But he, he said at that moment, he didn't have anything in mind. Granted, that could be bullshit, you know, but Druckmann is the biggest part about this whole equation, uh, uh, equation. You know, it's uh, it was his writing, his character building, his world building that really like is the you know the understructure of all this stuff. And you know, if, I think if you hand it off to someone else, it's probably gonna degrade the entire development. That's just my opinion, but I I, I could see a third one. It's just I think this might be more is is Ellie gonna get her chance to you know fulfill her destiny and you know save humanity what if they do come across a doctor that knows how to create a uh you know a vaccine you know is she gonna is she gonna willingly like lay down all this stuff that she's been through to to do it so no i think it's a leverage play though i mean Druckmann's now the president of naughty dog because of 
everything you just said, Dave, like he's the heart and soul of it that developed these amazing titles and put everything into it to, to get there. But now if you're in the stage where you just have like arguably one of the top shows on HBO that just came out, you have this best-selling game. That's like, I think just now the second one's about to come out on PC. (laughs) So, you know, that's going to sell really well. Um, you know, it, it, there's just going to be so much attention as the series ramps up and gets closer and closer to the end point of where we're at in the games. And by that time, like, I, I just, there's, he could, he gets a blank check at that point. He gets a blank check and the ability to say, cool, after this, I'm done with Last of Us and I'm making my own game and you're funding it completely and I get to do whatever I want. I mean, it's the ultimate Kojima deal. And, you know, he'd be foolish not to take advantage of all the leverage he has, because literally, like, if you where are you going to do at that point? If you're Sony, walk away, you know, everyone's just going to turn on you and say, like, what the hell is wrong with you? So, yeah, I I think he has holds all the cards right now and uh, he'll be able to use that for whatever he wants. And and who knows what that may be, because, you know, the guy's obviously a creative genius. It's just a matter of what direction he's going to point that towards next. My money is is on you. I I, I agree. I, I do think there's a Last of Us three coming, and I I do believe it's closer than they've led us to believe. Um, but I don't know. Weird weirder things have been left behind, you know. Yeah, I, I mean that's a great point, and time will tell, and only the yeah. aggregator will recall <laughs> five five years down the road when it actually comes into play. Um. So I was going to say, I have to ask as we, you know, obviously have a second game coming into the series format on the horizon. What are your biggest concerns or what are the things you're most excited about uh, leading into that after we've seen what they did with the first game? My biggest concern is that The Last of Us 2 is so messy. I just think it's a monumental task, all the different things you have to pull off and i mean maybe they'll maybe they'll streamline it i mean everything they've done so far gives me confidence that they can do whatever but the first season i mean it's it's such an easier task than all the crazy shit that goes down in the second game and you know now they've also got to start thinking harder about you know if this does continue to make tons of money how are we going to how are we going to keep it going are we going to make concessions to the story to appease a broader audience uh you know so often that happens in in tv shows where all of a sudden seasons 2 and 3 just get so batshit crazy because they're like oh if we don't start doing really wonky you know weird stuff people will lose interest and um i don't know i think that's a huge red flag and you know and they still got one more massively important character that they've got to nail. Dave, any thoughts, concerns, excitement? Um, I think there's rumors about the actress that they're going to cast for Abby. And, you know, kind of, I got that feeling that you guys had about Bella Ramsey where I'm like, I, I just saw a picture and I was like, I don't know. You know, Abby is... Abby's a very complicated character on her own right, you know, and the thing is, like, that character has so much hate within the gaming community, especially The Last of Us, that, you know, it's, it's like Jack said, it's going to be Herculean task to be able to pull this off. Uh, 
But, you know, I'm excited at the prospect of, you know, seeing a trailer for season two and what it's going to be. And, you know, ultimately season three, you know, and what that's going to be like. So, you know, Rat King for life, baby. <laughs> I, 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 I'm really excited about that. It's going to happen, you know, <laughs> like, and, you know, it's going to be fun to see that in live action, you know, and I think they're going to do it a lot of justice. So, um, yeah. And no, also, it's... That's fair. Um, yeah, I have to be concerned, especially because Abby is such a tough uh, just figure in general to to cast, let alone the complexity of that character and making it making her likable. I mean, that's going to be incredibly difficult, especially, you know, but I agree with you, Jack, from our earlier conversation. I think that maybe that's why they're kind of leaning a bit more into Joel being a sneaky psychopath that maybe isn't quite the protagonist that we've all been rooted for uh, even though he fits that archetype of every male protagonist of a video game of the dark-haired you know bearded warrior uh, but um we'll have to see i i mean i'm very concerned because like i said i did not like playing through last of us 2 in the middle of the pandemic because i hated ellie's perspective so much um it was just so negative and so dark and excessive largely because it's a video game. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out in a non video game format, because it actually might be more gripping, uh, at least to me personally, because so much of it was, it's like, dude, I just killed 80 people like from this raiding party. Like, don't you think that's enough? And like the, the whole theme is like, no, it's never enough revenge, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but it's like, it really drums into your head early on when you like, kill a dog in front of its owner that it's like yeah you've i think that that's pretty fair at this point like they're not a threat so um Ellie, your your girlfriend and traveling companion is pregnant yeah and uh you guys have no idea what you're doing you've pretty much killed 50 people <laughs> march on <laughs> yeah now she has a fever and maybe near death <laughs> I'm going to sneak out at night and leave her in this unprotected theater. (laughs) Um, And another thing, a big, big, big area concern for me, and I'm sure Dave is if they fuck up Jesse, if they fuck up Jesse, (laughs) we're going to have some words because I know there's all sorts of politics that go on with last of us and in every critical circle, but Jesse is our one beacon of Asian hope that we get in this damn series like i know you can make arguments for lev later on but no jesse was the dude he was the man for a brief yeah. moment we had an arc an asian protagonist that wasn't a kung fu warrior that was just a total <laughs> badass and yet we'll have to see whoever they cast this could go really really poorly <laughs> Truckman's gonna be reading his emails. He's like, "Great, now there's this subsection of haters that are pissed that Jesse isn't as cool as he could have been." <laughs> and it's just these two guys, but they won't shut the fuck up. <laughs> uh, Jackie Chan. <laughs> Sorry, as the token white guy on this podcast, I had a. No, that's that's my fear. It's like it's just like (laughs) kung fu kicking like infected people. (laughs) Just like no, no. He's a bleeder. He's like he's a badass. (laughs) So, but 
I, I think overall it was a great series. I'm glad they did it. I'm very happy that, uh, you know, Pascal was cast and so was Bella Ramsey. Um, I had slight hints and, you know, I was hesitant when she got cast. I was like, wow, she doesn't look like her and all that. But, man, I she killed it. You know, and I, I mean, I, we talked about this, but my biggest concern was that they were just trying to ride off that Game of Thrones, like, you know, momentum rather than cast the right person. And it's clear I was I was wrong about that and that they they, they did find the right person. No, but I, I mean, it's it's good to have those reservations because, you know, otherwise the fear with a character that's that deep and and complex with everything is that you know if if they don't nail it it the whole series fails and you know i i shared those reservations going into this season of i was more concerned i was like okay i'm sure she can do season one but how is she going to adapt to season two where that's a lot of heavy lifting and some major acting beats that based on my limited thing with understanding of her background which is from you, Jack, I, I haven't even watched Game of Thrones, so I have even less confidence going in. It was just like, oh boy, this is this is going to be an interesting one. But um, but no, I, I was blown away by how amazing she was in multiple difficult scenes, and, and Pascal, I think, was perfectly cast in that. He, I think that he will make the sequence that we know the golfing sequence in Last of Us Two very heart wrenching. Um, which is difficult for a character that, again, as we've discussed, is basically portrayed as a complete psychopath in the first season of this show. So, um, so yeah, it, you have to have somebody who has that level of charisma that can portray a, just a likability, and you know he he's got it in spades. All right, boys, last thoughts on the Last of Us TV series. <laughs> so we got. Yeah. <laughs> I guess we should say, you know, uh, if you want to hear more of our thoughts on the last of us we have several episodes deeper in our uh in our data banks where we go into depth about the game and probably speak more eloquently about that than we do this as we as we definitely had more of an emotional connection to the game if not a um appreciation um yeah yeah, great, great plug, Jack. And yeah, and you can go back. And if you're an aggregator like Jack, you can also go through and see my shift my opinion on it about 50 different times <laughs> from uh, the first episode we did to now. So there's that too. So, um, all right. Well, with all that being said, this has been Couch Co-op Video Game Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Take care. <laughs>